The king has returned. The prophecies fulfilled. The years of longing are over. The king has returned. And now all will be made right. Amidst shouts of praise and tears of joy, the pleading for justice, the cries for our enemies' defeat. The king has returned. The king who was driven from his land as an infant, who spent his first years as a refugee, who understands pain and suffering. But this king is not who we were looking for. This king brings justice not over our enemies, but in the midst of our enemies. He brings peace, not in our land, but in our souls. He is the answer to the prayer we did not know we were praying. The king has returned. Long live the king. Come on, Palm Sunday this is what we're celebrating this weekend. And uh, man, last weekend we kicked off this series with what was an incredible message from Pastor Howie. How many of you got some out of that message? Uh, can we thank Pastor Howie? Come on. Um, it's just so we're kind of clear as to why we are doing what we're doing. Um, Pastor Howie was not a fill-in for uh, me while I was gone. Uh, he's a part of our teaching team along with others, and it's something that we value around here highly. Uh, how many of you know that you don't just need my voice all the time? Um, we are trying to build a well-rounded diet around here. And, uh, and so Pastor Howie and others with Gifts of Teaching, Pastor Erica, um, man, they bring such a vital and important uh, perspective that is different. And so that's why we have a teaching team, and hopefully we're gonna be able to utilize that team a lot more in, in the future. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? All right, so can we put our hands together and just thank Pastor Howard for an incredible message last weekend. All right, I'm gonna launch us into today's teaching. We're gonna read from Colossians chapter one, verses 15 to 20. And here's what I'm gonna ask of you today. I'm gonna ask that you would lean in today. I'm gonna ask that uh, as we read this particular piece of scripture, if there's something that strikes you about Jesus, feel free to shout, clap, say amen, because this is probably one of the most precise and profound pieces of scripture concerning Jesus. As Paul the Apostle writes to the Colossians, it's one of my most favorite pieces of scripture, and this is what he writes concerning Jesus. He says that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Come on, somebody, and for him. The Bible tells us right here in verse 17, he's before all things, and by him all things are held together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning 
He's the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Come on, is anybody thankful for Jesus? today. And that's the king we're going to talk about today. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 10 is going to be where we now find ourselves, as this is one of the four recorded moments that we find in the Gospels concerning Palm Sunday. And it reads like this. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, hold that, hold that name in your mind, because we're going to talk about that in a second. He sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the village ahead of you. And as soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here right away. So they went and found a colt outside in the street tied by a door. They untied it and some of those standing there said to them, why are you doing, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered them just as Jesus had said. So they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. And many people spread clothes on the road and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. And John, we would be told that they are palm branches. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted this, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I read it like that because I want us to see the punctuation that's there. I think at times we sanitize these moments and we don't read them with the punctuation necessary. There was emotion in this, lest we think that emotions aren't allowed in our faith. Have you heard this before? There's a, there's a new line of understanding and teaching right now is that there shouldn't be emotion in our worship and there shouldn't be emotion in our preaching and there shouldn't be emotion in our faith. Can I just tell you at the end of the day, I've got tons of emotion because I know what I've been saved from. Come on somebody. So I got to shout a little bit. If you ever wonder why I raised my voice from go, it's because I'm going to preach to you like you don't have a tomorrow. And that's what was happening right here. Hosanna. They desired to be saved. They desired to be set free. The powerful moment that we find right here written to us in the gospels. And so today, as we continue on with our Easter series, I want to speak to you from the subject today, the procession, a donkey and a destiny. As we look at the events that unfolded on what is known as Palm Sunday, will you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word. It is alive, it is active, it is powerful. It transforms us and is transforming us, even in this moment. So I thank you for your word. 
God, I pray that you would move Jason Parrish, me, out of the way. No one needs my words. We need your voice. And so we submit our hearts and our minds to the authority of your word today. The truth that you said would set us free. We anchor ourselves in it today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shouted. And the church shouted. Amen and amen. Let me ask you a question. Show of hands. How many of you have ever crossed a line before that you could not come back from? Come on. Like, this is no judgment. Everybody just look forward right now. It doesn't even need to be bad things. How many of you, like, said something, and the minute you said it, you're like, oh, can I get those words back? Yeah. Come on, how many of you that are dating in here, you said something on the third date, and you're like, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> now I'm weird, right? How many of you ever done something? How many of you ever, let me, let me put the question on this. How many of you have ever crossed the stupid line before? Right? The line where you go, I shouldn't be doing this. This is way outside of what my body's capable of. I, I did that this week while we were on vacation, uh, spring break. Uh, we took our, our bikes down there. We've got some mountain bikes and, and some dirt jumpers. And dirt jumpers are just larger BMX bikes. And so my son's really into it right now. And so I decided that uh, against better judgment um, and what my body's telling me, I decided to do this stuff with him. And so we went down to this little dirt track. Uh, it actually wasn't little. There's these massive jumps. And so we went down there. I'm chasing my son around. And we found ourselves on this thing that they call a pump track. And a pump track is a, a track that you get on with your bike and you use momentum and you pump instead of, instead of pedal, right? And you're not allowed to use it. So you got to use momentum and swing around this thing. And so we're going around and we're going off of jumps and going off around these berms. And then there was this wooden feature that looked kind of like a whale. It's made out of wooden metal. And I thought to myself in this moment, because I was feeling, come on, guys, especially, how many of you know that we do this? Like, we get a little bit of confidence in us, and then you think we can fly. And so in that moment, I, I took off. My son stayed off, and he's riding with me. And then I went as hard as I possibly could and went up the front side of this, this apparatus, if you call it that, this whale-looking feature. And when I got to the top of these wooden planks, I lost all momentum. And literally, my son being down here, I stalled out up there, and I thought to myself, well, that was stupid. And I fell off the top of it. And I, I hit the ground, and it was pretty, like, probably from ground up, we're probably talking about like four and a half, five feet. That's how big the feature was off of the ground. I fell flat, lost all momentum, and just went like this, dumped off the side. Justice pulls up to me. He's like, Dad, Dad, are you all right? I don't know where my phone is. I can't call him. I don't know where mom is. When's lunch? Like, all of... <laughs> And there's different moments, come on, how, can I get a witness in church today? There's different moments in our lives where we cross the stupid line, yeah. right? The line where you go, I mean, there's no coming back from this. It's full sin. It's all the way. Well, as we stand here today, Palm Sunday, we are looking at such a moment for Jesus and his motley crew of disciples. See, Palm Sunday represents a proverbial line in the sand that Jesus would cross as he advanced towards the ultimate purpose for his life, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Today, I want to help us in the name of this series and what it is that we're trying to accomplish. How many of you last week, Howie, Pastor Howie painted some really beautiful pictures for us? Jesus is humanity. Today, I want to take that a little bit further. How many of you have seen the movie Gladiator before? Yeah. All right, cool. This is my, this is my service then. So y'all remember the moment at the beginning of the movie when he bends down and he grabs some dirt and he runs the dirt through his hands 
And he was doing that so he can experience and feel the battlefield that he was about to step, step on. That's what I want to do for us today. I want to help us feel the dirt of this particular moment. Because I think sometimes we can, we can make Palm Sunday look like this kind of jovial and people wear, like waving palm branches and clothes spread out and Jesus on a donkey looking all nice and happy. And there's so much more going on in this moment than what we realize sometimes. So are you all good with feeling the dirt today? Yeah. So I, I want to show you a few pictures that are really important for us to understand the context of what's happening. This is where Jesus is rolling into on a donkey. This is the place that he would be approaching as people would stand behind him and go before him. This is the space that would be the context, the, the air that, that people would be smelling, the, the leaves that they would see, the flowers that would be there. You guys can remember moments maybe that you've had in your life where you can think back, how many of you know like a sound or, or a smell that gets you thinking about something? And so this would be the place right here. I'm going to have the team leave right here. Could you imagine Jesus wandering through this field right here? Now, just so everyone knows, there wasn't streetlights during this time. That was, <laughs> that's a, uh, a modern picture. But the, the, <laughs> this, is the, this is the context. This is the backdrop of Jesus' triumphant entry. Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, John chapter 12, all paint the picture of Palm Sunday for us. The beautiful imagery that you see behind me was the place that Jesus would cross the line of no return. He wouldn't be able to come back from it. It would trigger a series of events that this week represents. Now, this particular gate, this particular area that Jesus would be approaching it's one that has a lot of fanfare around it in scripture. You can go and, you, I mean, if you really wanted to do a deep dive on like gates and entrances to the temple, you can go, I mean, down to all kinds of bunny trails. But this is a very special one. And the reason for it is, is because about a year after this moment, Paul most theologians and scholars would believe another significant moment would take place. And I just want us to, once again, feel the dirt of this thing. Acts chapter three, verses one to 11. Y'all with me? Can we study our Bible today? Yeah records another moment that would take place post Jesus's resurrection. It reads like this, Acts chapter three, verses one to 11. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Amen. It's a powerful statement. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Can we just stop for a second? Can we just look at the power of this moment? Could you, ima could you, like, could you imagine what it would have been like to have been there in that moment? This man was placed at this gate every single day, and he was born lame, birthed. Could not use his legs. Could you imagine what that moment must have been like? As they said, hey, listen, silver and gold, I don't, I don't have any of that. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Could you imagine seeing a man who's never used his legs before get up yep. and start walking? 
Like, I wonder if you look like the guy from Men in Black, you know, <laughs> wearing an Ecker suit until his muscles got stronger. And they got to the point in just moments that all of a sudden, after never walking his entire life, he walked into a temple, leaping and praising God and worshiping. I wonder what it would have been like to have been there. And not only that, this miracle, this healing that took place, it took place in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which is important for us to know because the reason that this is such a, a cool moment and a moment that doesn't get a lot of attention all the time is that this very place where this lame man was placed daily, most theologians and scholars believe, was the very place that Jesus rode in on the donkey. The name that passed by him on a donkey a year previous would be the name that would be called upon for him to rise up and walk. I think it's important for us to note this because I don't know if you've found yourself like I've found myself at times, but have you ever felt like Jesus has passed you by? You ever felt like you needed something and Jesus seemingly passes by you and deals with somebody else? Maybe today that happened when we celebrated miracles that are taking place in people's lives and you're still going, God, I'm waiting on one. But I can't help but think, if you can just give me a little bit of creative levity and space for just a moment, I wonder what Jesus was thinking as he rode by on that donkey. I wonder if Jesus saw him. Think about it for just a second. I wonder, this, this lame man who's placed there every day so that he can beg, I wonder if as Jesus was riding past him on the dog, as he's moving forward, he passes by him and locks eyes with him. And I wonder if Jesus thinks to, to, to himself, man, I can't wait for a year from now when Peter and John walk past this guy. And in that moment, he's going to cry out and Peter and John are going to get to be a part of this man's healing. Oh, but you don't know it yet. You see me passing by, but son, I still have my eyes on you. Son, I'm still looking at you. Son, I know what you need and don't worry, it's coming. I just wonder if maybe that was going through his head. Or he's like, I'm on a donkey. <laughs> There's so much more to the storyline. I want to show you a, um, a picture in just a minute. Hold, hold the picture, team. According to the Bible Knowledge Commentary, an exposition of the scriptures, and I quote, tell us that less than a mile southeast of Jerusalem was the village of Bethpage. And about two miles out was Bethany. And on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives, a high ridge about two miles long, known for its many olive trees. This is a place that Jesus was familiar with. This is what this area would look like on a map. This map is taken from the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. This is Passion Week in Jerusalem. If you can throw that up. So right over here is the key. And this gives us all of Jesus' movements from today all the way through Easter Sunday. This shows us where he's going to walk and where he's going to go and where he's going to be doing ministry and where things are going to be taking place. The reason that I'm showing you this is because I want us to feel the dirt. Jesus in his final week took these steps. He walked around this area. He entered this gate. Mount of Olives is out here. He's going to hang out with his friends. He's going to do communion. He's going to be betrayed. 
It's all going to happen right here in this area. And it's an area that he was really familiar with. He had intimate knowledge of it. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, that it was not an unfamiliar area to Jesus and his disciples. And in fact, we know that Bethany was the last stopping place on the desolate and unsafe road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was the home of Mary, Martha. Maybe you remember this guy, Lazarus. He's the one that Jesus would raise from the dead. This place would generally serve as Jesus' home when he was in Judea. And Bethany was also home to another person that we read about in the gospel, Simon the leper. All of this is important to understand. And here's why. I want us to hear this today. Please hear this. If we are not careful, we can miss some of God's greatest miracles because they are done in either the most familiar of places in our life or the most frustrating places in our life. Some of us feel like we've got to move in order to experience Jesus, and he's going, no, I'm right here with you right now. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? Some of us are trying to leave familiar places or frustrating places because we believe that God will meet us right in, 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 in other places than the hard places of life or the, or the frustrating ones or the, or the familiar ones. You know, God wants to meet you as you're driving to Walmart doesn't need to be spectacular. He wants to meet you in the line at Baskin Robbins. Yeah. I only thought of it because it's right over there. Come on, have you ever had a praise break in Smith's before? I dare you. Start singing. Let the lion roar. In the checkout aisle of Harmon's. <laughs> I just think we miss these things sometimes. We want the spectacular over the familiar. We want all the, we want all the grandeur, and we don't, want to, we don't want to experience God in hard places. We want to experience God on the mountaintop. And I think that's why so many people missed what was going on is because Jesus had walked this path before. This is Bethpage. And not only that, but he made it, and he disguised it, with a donkey. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's more to the story as well. There was a lot of activity, a lot of thoughts, a lot of perspectives, a lot of hopes, and a lot of desires surrounding Jesus in this particular moment. Come on, show of hands. Let's just call each other out for a second. Like therapy moment. How many of us have came to Jesus with some strings attached at times? Come on. We're like, Jesus, have you ever said this before? If you do this, like he's going to bargain with you? You ever, <laughs> you ever been there before? Right? And we like to spiritualize it. We like to talk about Gideon's fleece. Some of you would get that. Um, but we like, to, we like to do these things because many of us have a tendency to come to Jesus with our agenda rather than, rather than allowing Jesus' agenda to divine us. Wow, and that's what was happening. See, I, I wish I could say that Palm Sunday had a bunch of people who were pure in their motives but they weren't. Not everybody who was throwing their, their clothes on the ground and waving palm branches had, had pure motives. They actually had ulterior motives. For some, Jesus represented political change and a reestablishment of power. 
One author put it this way, the spectrum of political parties was wide and multifaceted, including the Pharisees, the Essenes, Zealots, the Sadducees, and even tax collectors. And even tax collectors. <laughs> Think about that. Hey, Howie, would you pop up here? D, Dr. Laurie, can you, can you pop up here? Is it fast and easy or no? Um, no? Okay, sorry. Erica, will you come up here? Kaisa, come up here. Danny, come up here really quick. Pastor Jesse, pop up here really quick. Howie's going to play Jesus. <laughs> just for a second. I just grabbed you first. There's no, okay. I want you guys to see this. This is what we miss about Palm Sunday. Okay, Dee, I want you to come over here. I want you to just grab a hold of Howie like this, okay? And then, Kaisa, <laughs> grab a hold of Howie like this. Erica, come over here. And just, yeah, just grab right here. Danny, come over here. <laughs> grab right there. Pastor Jesse, come here. You can grab up front right here. Right on the yeah. Okay. These guys represent the multifaceted approach that people were taking with Jesus. Jesus is walking to his destiny. And you had five different groups potentially or more identifying their own destiny. Different from each other. You had political persuasions and parties. Is that if I like metal for just a little bit? right? Everybody trying to get their thing done through this man. So yeah, we love the fanfare of Palm Sunday. It looks so beautiful and nice. Oh, you had a political arena. Look at Jesus is standing in the middle and these guys hate each other. Right? Danny back here, he's the tax collector. Everybody hated him. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looked like. This was Palm Sunday. Different ideologies, different philosophies, different political spectrums, different positions of power, different people groups and culture, and race and ethnicity, all vying for the thing that they wanted and trying to use Jesus as the conduit for it. Thanks guys, you guys, can, can you put your hands together for those guys? Thank you. Remember, we're feeling the dirt. Jesus knew this. Like us as human beings to try to make Jesus into the image that we want him to be instead of Jesus causing us to conform to the image that he has for us. See, for, for some, Jesus represented a forceful king coming to rule in earthly power. For others, Jesus represented social change and justice for all who were marginalized and voiceless. For some, Jesus represented their cultural heritage and purity. For some, Jesus represented their ideological persuasion and assessment. Still, for others, Jesus represented a hostile threat to their religion and power. For others, Jesus was a new prophet coming to declare a better future. And what's interesting is that still today, Jesus represents many of these perspectives. What was true 2,000 plus years ago is still unfortunately true today. Jesus is often the character that best represents that which is most important or the dominant desire that we have in us. In a recent article in Relevant Magazine, the author writes this, the problem is that in the context of American Christianity, where religious images are often absent, pop culture representations of the faith can become the formative symbols and images that a faith community encounters. People begin to actually see Jesus primarily through the lens of materialism and pop culture, both of which by their very nature are constantly in flux. As a result, 
Evangelical faith becomes faddish, salvation becomes a style, and praise is just a phase. When the church employs superficial symbols to communicate the gospel, the gospel can only take hold of people at a superficial level. And that's why we've watched over the past couple years as the wind blew just a little bit, people lost their faith. You saw that a lot of faith was built on sand instead of built on a rock. Come on, am I talking to anybody about Jesus today? We want to dress him up. We want to make him look like how we want him to look, and we want him to have the same ideals as that we have. But can I just tell you that he was a king, not of this kingdom. He was a king with the destiny to march forward, to be placed on a cross, to be buried, and to get up out of that grave. Why? So that you and I would be rescued. That was his agenda. That was all he cared about. But yet they held on to him. Could you imagine what the tax collector and this person over here, they're marching with Jesus. He's riding on his donkey. And this person over here is going, oh, wait till, he, wait till this happens. He's going to get you. <laughs> this guy over here is going, he's going to get you. Everybody thought he was going to get them. And Jesus is like, I'm trying to rescue you from the one who's got all of you. The wages of sin is death. Jesus is so much more than all of our ideas and assessments. See, here's the truth. Palm Sunday was the beginning of a sacred procession that would take place where Jesus and his disciples, through a series of moments, they would not be able to come back from. Palm Sunday would ignite a chain of events that would rock the disciples' lives and take the life of Jesus. I want you to see, team's going to throw it up on the screen, I want you to see what today begins. The, the, the match that's lit today. This is what our week looks like. I want us, church, to maybe walk through this week a little bit more sober-minded. As to what this represents on Sunday today, Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and we celebrate it. We sing songs like, let the lion roar. Jesus looks at the temple and returns to Bethany for the night. On Monday, Jesus is going to curse the fig tree as a, as a picture and an illustration and a, and a prophetic message. Jesus is going to cleanse the temple on Monday. On Tuesday, his authority is going to be questioned as he teaches in the temple, and he's going to predict the destruction of the temple and his return. Wednesday, Judas. <laughs> Thursday, Jesus is going to eat the Last Supper with his disciples. Friday. He's going to be questioned. He's going to be condemned. He's going to be crucified. And he's going to be buried. It's the dirt. And I hope as we walk through the aisle of Walmart with Cadbury eggs and peeps on our side, <laughs> man, I hope you can walk through that aisle and go, I've got my dirt. I'm not saying those things are bad, but can I just say it's not the point? I got my dirt. I wish, it's always in the third service where I'm like, oh, I wish everybody could have left with some dirt. 
that would have been awesome. So it's at the end of it. But maybe if you need to, just like right over here, there's some trees on the other side of the building. Go grab some dirt. Keep it in your pocket, put it in a bag. I don't care. I just wonder if I got my dirt this week. Tomorrow, Monday. Got my dirt. Tuesdays, you're reading scripture. I got my dirt. Wednesday, I got my dirt. I wonder what Jesus was experiencing as he went through one of the greatest betrayals that he would go through Thursday. He's eating the last time. I got my dirt. This is Holy Week. Palm Sunday is so much more than a party. It was a procession. It was Jesus marching to his destiny. And it's a powerful moment. So what I want us to do just in the last few minutes that we have together today is I want to just help us out with some practical truths, some things that we can kind of learn and glean from this, this beautiful moment, this powerful moment in Scripture and in this Holy Week. So I need your help today. Come on, every shot number one. Here's the first thing I need us to understand today is that the procession shows us that needs are supplied in the process, not in the pause. Needs are supplied in the process, not in the pause. Let's go back to Mark chapter 11, verse 2. And he told them, go into the village ahead of you, and as soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. The donkey that Jesus would ride in on was found through the process of advancing, not in pausing or backing down from what was in front of him. Here's the problem. Many of us are trying to get Jesus to give us the provision that we want without advancing into the process that he has for us. Come on, have you ever been there before? You ever stood at the line? And you're like, God, this is how it's going to go. I need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do this if I'm going to do this. Come on, just show a hand. Therapy moment. How many of you have been there before? I've been there before. Here's here's the thing. Let me answer the question. Why doesn't God give us all the details? I'll tell you why. Because if he gave you the details, you wouldn't step into the design. Come on, how many of you know, if you were to look back on your life right now, if you knew everything that was going to happen, if God would have told, how many of you have been like, nope, uh uh-uh. If I knew what would have been a part of these 10 years in this church plant journey known as the well, I would have bowed out before day one. (laughs) Could you imagine that? Let's just highlight one. If God would have been in the beginning, in 2013, hey, Jason, Erica, by the way, in 2020, we're going to shut everything down. And you're going to speak to a camera. And you're going to send cookies all over the valley. Everyone's going to lose their minds. And it's going to be one of those volatile moments that you've ever experienced. And by the way, they don't teach you this stuff in Bible college. I've been like, yo, peace. (laughs) What Jesus shows us is that the provision is given to us as we step into the process. And some of us are missing the process that God has for us because he's not acquiescing to the demands that we have of him to give us what we want before the process. 
can I tell you that he doesn't give you courage before you need it? He gives you courage while you're in it. Now, just so you know, I'm not talking about provision like in finances and things like that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about faith and I'm talking about courage. And, and sometimes it's the material things as well. Some of you might have a business, a dream in your mind, and you're looking at, well, interest rates are high right now and banks are closing right now and the world's falling apart and our pets' heads are falling off and God wants you, <laughs> God wants you to build this business and you're saying it needs to be this, 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 and this before I do this, God. And God's like, no, I need you to step into the process. I need you, I need you to take that step. That's why Galatians chapter nine, or chapter six and verse nine says this, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. It's an actionable piece of scripture. You will reap at the proper time if you don't give up, meaning you're in it. That's what faith drives us towards. Here's the second truth that we learned from Palm Sunday. Every shot number two. The procession shows us that conviction is often misunderstood in the moment. Now, I want you to look at this for a second. Can you please enter into this space with me, okay? Because this is the reality of Scripture. Mark 11, 3 through 6. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here right away. So this is Jesus commanding his disciples to go steal someone's donkey. The donkey didn't belong to them. For all intents and purposes, it was a random donkey. And so they went and found a colt outside in the street tied by a door. Someone's donkey. Okay? They untied it. Now, as would happen naturally, watch what happens. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing? Untying that colt. Because that's what you do when people steal things. What are you doing? Come on, we're, fe we're feeling dirt right now. And they answered them just as Jesus has said, so they let him go. What? How many of you, just show of hands, like, how many of you would have been like, sorry, Jesus, like, I'll follow you, but like illegal activity, that's not my, right? That's not, that's not my, like, I'm a peacemaker, uh, right? Like, uh, it's not on my disc test. It's not on my strengths finder. It's not part of my personality to steal things from people, especially donkeys. How many of you have been right there? Like, I stop at illegal activity. But these disciples just followed Jesus at his word. There was conviction. Have you ever been misunderstood before? Come on, show of hands. How many of you have been misunderstood before? Especially when it comes to faith in something or your convictions. Have you ever been misunderstood before? Has anybody ever asked you, why are you doing this? Why are you going to church on Sunday? Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you not hanging out with us as much anymore and you're doing that thing called a table group? Ew. <laughs> have you ever been misunderstood before? You ever, like, just, like, you've ever been, have, has anybody ever misunderstood you because of your convictions? I know I have. I've been misunderstood many, many times because of my convictions. Right now, I think in this moment of history and culture that we're in right now, as Christ followers, those of us who would call ourselves Christ followers more than ever, we have to have our convictions about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because the wind's blowing. Yeah. 
And I've found that those around us will often misunderstand the conviction that we have within us. To have faith or conviction right now in anything, let alone God, is seen or perceived as weakness or apathy or idiocy or craziness or uh, many other things that people are calling it right now. You know what's interesting is if we don't have our conviction, we will allow our faith to be shaped to those who have words about our convictions. Think about it. If you don't have your convictions when somebody's like, well, this, you go, well, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe this is okay, and it morphs here, and it morphs here, and all of a sudden one day you wake up and you have a Frankenstein picture of who Jesus is because the world's convictions shaped yours. Come on, am I talking to students in here today? We need to have our, why are you doing this? Let's put it another way. Why are you lifting your hands during worship? The doctor just told you it's terminal. What, why are you, why are you showing up again? God hasn't come through for your miracle. Why are you doing this? Come on, has anybody got some dirt right now? <sighs> I wonder what it would have been like. Why, why are you doing that? Why are you following this guy on a donkey? That's not a king. Come on, how many of you are with me? You might have chosen a different apparatus for Jesus to ride into town on. Like how many of you would have chosen a donkey versus like, hey Jesus, can we talk about horses? Let me introduce you to the Clydesdale. That's what kings ride in on. Or, just go with me for a second, how many of you have been like, Jesus, you kind of command all things? Why not an elephant? That'll make you look powerful. Why not a rhino? They're bit. How about a lion? Yeah. See, everybody's like that. Like, could you imagine Jesus riding in, holding a lion's mane, just trotting in on a lion? Right? Band playing around him. Let the lion roar! Like... Why are you doing this? Faith should never depend on the situation, but rather be shaped by the supplier. See, Palm Sunday, the procession, it shows us that conviction is often misunderstood in the moment. Can I just say this to you today? The conviction that you have about Jesus as he shapes and forms you, it's gonna be misunderstood. The question is, are you convicted enough by it that you can stand in the midst of misunderstanding? Yes. Number three, everybody shout number three. three. Here's the last one. The procession shows us that sacred moments are often realized in simple things. The procession shows us that sacred moments are often realized in simple things. Mark chapter 11, verses seven to eight says this. They brought the cult to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. You know, I probably would have chosen a different entrance, different way to do it, right? The simplicity in it, the humility in it, the grit in it, the, the dirt of it, it's, it's unbecoming of a king, isn't it? Because in that, in, in that day, culturally speaking, kings and, and princes and people of authority, they came in 
heavy-handed. They came in with the fanfare. They came in with the clout. They came in, and here you have a supposed king riding on a donkey, and what's even more unappealing to the whole thing is that the people that are surrounding him are throwing their clothes on him. They're throwing their clothes on the dirt in front of him. I mean, just think about it for just a moment. How many of us would allow somebody else to throw their, that we don't know, throw their clothes on you? Like, put it in that context. And I'm not, try, I'm not trying to say anything negative when I say this, but some of those clothes were probably not the cleanest. I wonder if maybe, once again, just give me a little bit of creative license, I wonder if it was a picture of what Jesus was taking on from humanity. They were throwing, they were laying it down in front of them. Because ultimately that's what the cross represents. My sin, your sin. Can we talk about sin still in church? That's what, it, that's what it was. There's so much more to the story, and that's why they would shout, Hosanna, the meaning in Greek and Hebrew, was originally addressed as a prayer to God, meaning, oh, save us now. Save us, oh God, who lives in heaven. Here's my, here's my filth. Here's my stuff. Here's my, here's my junk. Here's my muck. Here's my mire. Oh, Hosanna, save us. I woke up this week spending time reading and thinking and praying, and once again I was met face to face with the reality of, oh, what a wretch that I am. But like Paul would say in Romans 8, who will save this wretched thing like me but for God? Your stuff, your junk, your brokenness, your wickedness, is not more powerful than Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear this today. It is not bigger than our king. Some of us, even in this room today, oh no, but, but Jason, you don't, you don't understand what, what I've done. It doesn't matter, it's still not bigger than him. Oh, come on, somebody, you need to understand that there is not a drug you can take. There is not a prison you can find yourself in. There is not a decision you can make. There is not a thought that you could think that is bigger than our humble king. And still some of us will pass it up. Can I tell you, it's not bigger. His grace. That's our king on a donkey. Hosanna. Oh God, save us. Guess what? This is my conviction. 
I believe it with everything that I am. Every part of it. Front to the back. I believe the maps. <laughs> There's not a drug you can take. There's not a person you could sleep with. There's not a club that you can find yourself in. There is not a prison cell that you could sit in. There is not an amount that you could steal or a life that you could take that is more powerful than the grace and forgiveness and healing power of our King Jesus, the guy who rode in on a donkey. Come on, you're not too far gone. Come on, your son is not too far gone. Your daughter is not too far gone. Your marriage is not too far gone. That sickness is not big enough. Come on, somebody, can we worship our king?